Welcome to Church Online. I am so excited that you have joined us this morning. I'm Pastor Matt. I pray that our worship will be exciting and uplifting. I pray that the ministry of the Word will work in your heart and that the Lord will do something special. Thank you again for joining us and enjoy the service. And we have communion that we're going to take today. I don't want to be rushed at the end. And uh, I always, even if we start early, usually it takes me a while and I take extra time. I don't know why I do that. Uh, but today I'm going to try to get through it and uh, in, in a good way, not just get through it, but you, you know what I'm saying. Uh, man, how many have in your, your mind right now that difficult relationship, that one that you know the Lord is, is uh, speaking to you about this morning? Anybody? You know, uh, it, you have to raise your hand. Uh, you got it in your mind. You know what it is. And I think often, look, if we're honest, like we all struggle in relationships, don't we? And it's always because of that person. It's their fault. It really is. I, I mean, it's not because of us. I mean, why would it be because of us? It's because of them. Let's get this straight. Uh, but uh, the Lord, through the inspiration here of the Holy Spirit, Paul writes this letter, Phoebe's nearing the end. Um, so if you if, if this is your first message, go back and listen to the other 35 messages that we've had on Romans, because uh, it really has built up to this point. Uh, this boiling point is this. Look, everything's been removed, all the excuses. Here we have Torah-abiding Jews, non-Torah-abiding Gentiles, and you all need to, to figure this out and get along. You need to coexist. You need to be a part of the one church, big capital C is what we call it, church, and if not, like, there's some huge things at stake. Us. Like, think about it. If, it. if it hadn't worked, we wouldn't be here. The church would not have continued in that way. This letter, when I said in the beginning, like, it is one of, if not the most important letter written to the church, I, I believe that wholeheartedly. And we're here because they figured it out. What, what is on the other side of that difficult relationship that you're struggling with? What will be, and, and we don't know this, but God does, what will be the fruit of that difficult relationship? Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a, a spouse or a sibling. What is on the other side? I, I pray tell, there's probably not a way for us to rightly judge the impact of us winning in our difficult relationships. What will come, the fruit that will come from those things, I don't even think we could uh, really even put it into terms. And so it's worth it. It's worth the struggle. It's worth the, uh, you know, the blood, sweat, and tears, if you will. And I know many of you, you're like, eh, <laughs> I don't think so. Gave up on that one a long time ago. <laughs> that ship has sailed. <laughs> it's okay there. Look, we can't, we can't just accept that. And, and listen, you being miserable through it is not you winning, okay? <laughs> I'm doing what I can, okay? You haven't smiled in 10 years. Everything is fine. <laughs> fine. Nothing... Absolutely nothing to see here, really nothing. That's not winning. Look, I want you to win in these relationships. I want there to be too much winning. <laughs> he had to make an appearance. Sorry, I'll put him away. I want there to be, <laughs> I want there to be so much winning 
uh, in this area of relationships uh, that it's like, man, they've got it figured out. Oftentimes, though, like this is the this is the struggle. You know, we we go see the pastor or an elder or someone that can help us that seems like they have relationships down, you know, but that's the that's the pain point of life is figuring out these things. But remember, we're doing it, and just a brief, I don't have time to really do a whole lot of uh, intro or review, but we laid the groundwork last week in the immediate text that this is not a battle between each other. This is a battle that God fought through Jesus, right, on a cosmic level. Remember the passage in Colossians, right? He uh, nailed the debt to the cross, he silenced the rulers, the principalities, the powers. He wasn't really, he was battling for us, but against them. And so Paul puts it in this way, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. So uh, all of what I'm going to say today is with the caveat that we've already discussed that this is not a battle against each other. This is really the practical end. So for sure, at least go back and listen to last week's if you missed it. But this is the nitty-gritty, the practical end of how to win in these difficult relationships. I promise you, if you apply this today, apply what's in Scripture, you'll win. And and why? Because it's a biblical principle. Uh, The Bible is true. It's right. Uh, It is the final authority. So regardless of where you're coming from, that person that you're having that difficult relationship with, they're not the enemy. They're not. The enemy is, and I don't mean this in a cop-out way, it is the authorities and the powers and and the Satan figure, that Satan figure with all of the demons and imps of hell, those that are rising up against the plan of salvation, the gospel, those that are opposing it, they're the real enemy. Uh, So keep that in mind. Let's go to the text. Romans chapter 14, we're going to read verse 13 through chapter 15, verse 6, and uh, then we'll break it apart. So verse 13, we start off here, Romans 14, verse 13, and I'm reading, it's on the screen, I believe, yes. Therefore, let us no longer judge one another. Let me say that again. Therefore, let us no longer judge one another. How about one more time, just for good measure. Therefore, let us no longer what? Turn to your neighbor and say, I ain't judging. That's right. Therefore, therefore, why is it there? Because of the previous conversation that we had. Because this isn't about you and me. It ain't about you and me. I'm going to say that again. It ain't about you and me. You know that person you don't like? It ain't about you and them. Because of that, therefore, so on and so forth, furthermore, (laughs) we ain't going to judge nobody. I'm not judging. Okay. I think I sat there long enough. Instead, you see that next word? instead, and then everything that we're going to talk about this morning. So the preface, the the preceding statement, the declaration, if you will, is we're not judging each other instead of that. So that means that whenever you felt the need to judge, whenever you felt the need to uh, declare your position or your opinion, we're going to do something else instead. Does that sound good? Does that sound okay? Are we ready, boys and girls? (laughs) Yeah. All right. Instead... We're going to do this, so keep reading with me. Instead, decide never to put a stumbling block or a pitfall in the way of your brother or sister. Interesting. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing, James, thank you so much, bro, you killed it, 
Uh, he was in the early service this morning, just in case you were wondering. <laughs> uh, I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. Still, to someone who considers a thing to be unclean, to that one it is unclean. Verse 15, for if your brother or sister is hurt by what you eat, you are no longer walking according to love. Do not destroy by what you eat someone for whom Christ died. This is good stuff. Therefore, do not let your good be slandered, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteous could have fooled me, shoot. <laughs> for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever serves Christ in this way is acceptable to God and receives human approval. So then, let us pursue what promotes peace and what builds up one another. Interesting. Do not tear down God's work because of food. Everything is clean, but it is wrong to make someone, uh, to make someone fall by what he eats. Verse 21. It is a good thing not to eat meat. Really? Or drink wine. Are you sure? <laughs> or do, you sure, Paul? Or do anything that makes your brother or sister stumble. Whatever you believe about these things, keep it between who? Yourself and God. Funny. I mean, anyway, I'll get into it in a minute. Sorry. Uh, I really want to stop, but I'm just going to keep on. Just keep swimming. What verse are we on here? 22. Whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. That is so loaded. My goodness. Verse 23. But whoever doubts stands condemned if he eats, because his eating is not from faith. Now, in this context, I love this, and we're going to get into this in a minute. Everything that is not from faith is what? Uh-huh. Hold that thought. Verse 15. I'm sorry, chapter 15, verse number 1. Now, see, it's continuing here. Now, we who are strong... Have a what? Mm -hmm. Yep. To bear the weakness of those without strength and not to please ourselves. Remember, the strong are the non-Torah abiding Gentiles. We've already established this. If you don't believe me, read the book. The weak are the Torah abiding Jews. The weak are the ones with all the rules. The strong are the ones who can believe in Jesus and love others with people that, that don't have the standards and boundaries that they do. Okay? All right. Each one of us is to please his neighbor for his good to build him up. That sounds amazing. For even Christ did not please himself. On the contrary, as it is written, the insults of those who insult have, uh, you have fallen on me. A quote from the book of Psalms. For whatever was written in the past was written for our instruction so that we may have hope through endurance and through the encouragement from Scripture. Now may the Lord God give us endurance and encouragement, grant you to live in harmony with one another. Harmony, winning relationships, according to Christ Jesus, so that you may glorify the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ with one mind and with one voice. Mm, such a good passage of Scripture. Uh, so let's jump in here. Look at verse number 13. The non-negotiable that I spent so much time on and, and repeated, uh, therefore let us no longer what? Judge one another. That is the non-negotiable. In these relationships, in these difficult relationships, and, and, and I know that the context of this, what we're talking about 
is they're dividing over the Torah-abiding Jews' uh, rituals. The fact that they're eating kosher, they're keeping the Sabbath, and there's a group of people in the church, non-Torah-abiding Gentiles, who have just fallen in love with Jesus and, and all that he is, and they don't have all of that history, thousands of years of doing it a certain way, okay? And these two people, Paul is saying, you, for the sake of the kingdom of God, it's a big statement, need to figure out righteousness and joy and peace. You need to figure out this thing together. And all of us are like, why? <laughs> why can't we all just do our thing in separate places? You know what I mean? Why can't everybody who's different than me just go be different somewhere else? You know what I'm saying? I, I mean, because there's something magical when people don't do what they want to do. There's something magical about someone doing something for someone else that they naturally would not like or love. There's something amazing about it. It's almost like love. Like what he's talking about. It's almost like love isn't just this uh, emotion that society overuses, but it's almost like it's an action that takes a, a tremendous amount of work. That's right. Amen. I'm not sure what that is. Darth Vader joined us today. So the non-negotiable is, let us, here we go, let us no longer judge one another instead. So here's my take on the instead portions. Look at verse 14. I know that I am persuaded in the Lord Jesus Christ that nothing is unclean in itself. And look, this is an argument, Acts chapter 9, Cornelius, is that, is that his name? Peter and Cornelius, I think, I can't remember, but uh, walking Jews who were very ritualistic, a.k.a. Peter, into this uncharted, uncomfortable territory of rising and killing and eating things that are against his religion. And Paul, who's a Jew, a Benjamite, as touching the law, blameless by his own testimony, Paul says this, uh, I'm convinced in my mind that nothing is unclean in and of itself. Huh. Look, some of you are coming from a background like I'm coming from. I grew up independent Baptist. Um, I love people in that, and they're dear people. My parents are still in that church. Uh, not the one I grew up in, but a different one. Uh, there's a lot of good people in, in churches like that, and uh, uh, different folks that have different perspectives, and, and the church is, is big enough for all of us. But what I want to point out, is the encouragement here, right, is to get along with people who are not like you. And in my experience, coming from a church like that, is they did not play nice with, with others who did not align to their perspective and their points of view. And maybe you've experienced this in, in other faiths, in other genres that are more what we would call fundamental or independent. Those are all names that churches like to use uh, for control purposes <laughs> so that they can have a more climate-controlled environment in their congregation. And it's usually a tone that is set by the leader of where his comfortability is. And so therefore, uh, if he's going to get through his sermon and disciple his people, everybody has to be wearing suits, a large majority, right? A certain Bible has to be read, a certain, right? And this just isn't specific to independent Baptists. There's, there's, movements within other <clears throat> cults, but uh, other places that are very um, 
open uh, that aren't very open. But anyway, the point is, is when dealing with these things, the point is that there's a level of acceptance on every side. And so where you need to see, and this is, this is helpful for me, right? Because I'm not in that position anymore. So I'm obligated, chapter 15, verse number one, I am obligated as what now I'm called the stronger brother. In other words, I can have a relationship with Jesus without all the rules and restrictions. So therefore, now I'm considered stronger. So it's not my duty to avoid them like they would avoid me. It's actually my duty to make them feel uncomfortable and say, let's go to coffee. Let's go get together. I want to love you. And actually be doing it in a genuine fashion. To say, like, I literally don't care if that's all you wear. I really don't care if that's what you do. I, I care about the God you care about. And we care about the same God. And from that, from that level, we will have our conversation, not the things that we don't agree about. And that's the beginning of chapter 13. But uh, it also extends into other areas, not just legalism within other churches, but it also extends into relationships. And this happens and look, if you have family, if you're not like alone and no one else is around you, this happens, right? People take different positions in the family. People take different positions in a marriage or with children. This happens. We impose on them things that we think are best. And then in doing so, what do we create? Conflict. Just like as your children get older, you'll notice this, right? Sarah and I are like, she actually has a brain. <laughs> like, she's thinking for herself, oh, my Lord, Katie, bar the door, shut it down. I mean, I'm nervous. I really am. She's a human being. And that's the whole goal, isn't it? To raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord to where eventually they're making their what? Their own decisions. So now at nine, guess what? There's a lot of things she's doing on her own that she didn't need when she was at nine months. That's the goal, but, but when that starts happening, we go, oh, no, I must control. You can't, I mean, I didn't actually do my job well enough. No, you need me there all the time, and you need my input on everything, and, and we do this. Why? Because we start losing what? We start losing control, and so then we impose, right? But in the spirit that Paul is using, this could be, an explanation and a conversation rather than a list of rules where something magical happens at the age of 12 and 13 where they immediately hate you until they're 21 and then they come back, right? And then everything's great. I love you so much. Wow, what just happened for the last few years? I'm not even sure. Like, it's good to see you again, mom and dad. I love you. Come here. As a youth pastor for many years, I saw it. It's like immediately they're teenagers. <laughs> like that night, the parents were waiting outside their door, knowing that out would emerge this monster that would never be the same until 21, 22 maybe. But that's how society treats it. Why? Because they're thinking on their own. What is this wild creature? I see them. They're gazing. <laughs> they're grazing at the refrigerator. And then we're like, Irwin, jump out on them. <laughs> you know, rest in peace. Anyway, it's crazy. We're, we handle our relationships awfully. I don't even know if it's good English. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? We're really bad at this. And when you take a step back, you really want to love them. You really want to have a good relationship. But you just can't help yourself from being the worst helicopter parent on the face of the planet. 
rules, rules, rules. And I'm not, I'm not the guy who doesn't. I have rules in my house. But like we pray in this and we're like, what's more important is that they can feel like they can come talk to us at any point in time. What's more important is that we have a good relationship with them. What's more important is two humans connecting rather than them assimilating into doing exactly what I want them to do. See how it translates? See how it transcends a little bit? So, look, this is going to be helpful on so many things. So, look at verse number 14. Uh, (laughs) Just looking at the clock. I know and I'm persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean unto itself. Still, someone who considers a thing to be unclean, uh, to that one it's unclean. Verse 15, for if your brother and sister is hurt by what you eat, you are no longer walking according to love. Mm. Do not destroy by what you eat something for whom Christ died. So let me give you a few talking points here on this conversation of differences, of uh, winning in difficult relationships. Verse number 14 I see a few things that that have started here. Number one, this is not a right or wrong moral issue. When it comes to relationships and what Paul is saying is y'all are having conflict over things that are not moral issues. If I can look back over my life and see all the conflict that I had over things that were not moral issues, I could have saved myself a ton of heartache and trouble. We are really, what is it, straining in a gnat and swallowing a camel? Is that the the saying? Like, I could have said it backwards. I don't know. You get the point. These are not, Paul is like, look, guys, you want to keep kosher foods and the Sabbath and all that stuff, and you guys don't. Here's what I want to say. You're both right in doing so. You both just have different perspectives, but let me help you with something. God loves both of you. And in doing so, like, as someone who, like, even if, I, if we're helping talking to a married couple, oftentimes they look at each other and it's the thing, right, that's the problem. Most of the time, it's not a moral issue. And when it is, there are ways to deal with moral issues in marriage and, and in other relationships. Scripture gives us good formulas for that. But I'm, I'm here to tell you, like, 99.9% of things, it ain't moral. I mean, let's take the, here's the the heart of the matter, okay? I think I'm going to actually, yeah. Well, let me read this to you. The second thing, therefore, and these are not points, just building the groundwork here. Therefore, claiming superiority from a moral high ground position would be a weaker position, and Paul is calling us to be better. If, If Paul says neither of you are doing something out of a right or wrong status, and if one of you is saying your position is better, than the other, you're actually the weaker person. And so I would call, if you're that person here today that is legalistic, that is looking at a list of rules that you keep and that other people don't keep, so you're actually in a better, more moral, uh, more higher perspective, right? You're closer to God. Paul would say that's wrong. That's actually inferior to the other position. And so, like, as we digest this, here's a real, a real easy way for us to understand. A big issue in, in churches that I grew up in is alcohol. And in a lot of churches, and in a lot of, I think it's an issue that, uh, I think it makes sense. Because everybody's different. Everybody has different personalities. Can we see that? And some people, they drink alcohol, and it becomes a vice. They turn into a different person. 
uh, what was the statement? One is, when it comes to drink or drugs, one is, one is too many, a thousand is never enough. Yeah. And we know that, that there are folks that struggle with addiction. So here's what Paul's saying. He's saying food, wine, he even uses the wine word, wine is not wrong in and of itself. It is an amoral thing. What you do with it becomes moral or then what? Immoral. The alcohol sitting there on the table, it's, it's literally not right or wrong. But when people say that's wrong, what Paul is saying is you're taking a weaker position because you're imposing restrictions on something that actually in and of itself is not right or wrong. People can take alcohol and do really bad things with it, and it can wreck and ruin their life. So if you are a person, watch this. This is how it plays out in this passage. If you're a person that has that propensity towards addiction, and if I was going out to eat with you and I maybe I, I don't have that struggle, I can have a glass of wine or I can have a beer, and it's not a what some would call a stumbling block, but I know that I'm going to lunch with someone who has a past or a history of addiction, guess what I'm not going to order at lunch? First of all, that would be weird because that's day drinking, and that's not healthy, okay? <laughs> I don't know why I said lunch. <laughs> Woo! Okay, guess what I'm going to order? <laughs> uh, it would be prudent. It would be me being faithful. Look at the end of chapter 14. I, I hope I'm helping some of you with this that are just literally living in bondage. Literally living like I have to maintain these rules for the sake of the rules with not under, without understanding where these boundaries even come from. Look at the end of chapter 14. It is a good thing not to eat meat, drink wine, or do anything that makes your brother or sister stumble. Anything. Whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and who? But, but so many people make it the poster board. It's the billboard of what we don't do. If you're going to come here, guess what? Don't do X, Y, and Z. Huh. Ain't nobody doing that in my life. Wow. You're really doing good at making everybody look just like you. You would be the weaker brother. According to this passage, whatever you believe, keep it between you. Watch this. Blessed is the one. I love this. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. Hello, don't show your cards. Do your homework. But whoever doubts stands condemned if he eats because his eating is not from faith and everything that is not of faith is what? Sin. In other words, here's what faith is. The Holy Ghost tells me or I learn that there's an issue that you have with this thing. Guess what? No harm, no foul. I don't drink at the table with you if you have that propensity. No one, no one is condemned. No one has a problem. I'm not a stumbling block because you're sitting there looking at my beer. Right? Everything's okay. No, no one was hurt in the making of this video. Right? Do you understand what I'm saying? But when we say nobody should have it because... 10 people can't handle it, what are we doing? We're making the thing wrong when the problem is the heart. 
When the problem is they're not living by faith. And what happens in a church community living by faith is this. It's about what is unseen, not what is seen. It's about having or not having a list of rules because you're so in tune with one another. You don't need it. You're okay with it over here. You say, well, that's a double standard. Uh, No, those are different types of people. And I'm okay in that situation, and I'm okay in that situation. Jesus is a prime example. Well, Jesus was alone with a woman at the well. First of all, you might be reading into the text about that. And if you have a problem with your phone or with other relationships, you should probably put up some what? Some boundaries, some standards. You should probably agree on it with your spouse, Why? Because it's right or it's wrong? No, it's avoiding wrong. It's called being prudent and wise and smart. And watch this, loving. It's called being faithful. (laughs) Don't miss the fine line. To some, being, uh, this is so like, this this took me years. What I'm saying to you, it's like so easily and cavalier, just coming right off my tongue. This took me decades to understand. I thought faithfulness was a list of things that I was faithful to. I'm so faithful <laughs> at church and my tithes and offerings and like I give like, oh my goodness, I'm just such a faithful Christian. And if you're wondering, just ask me and I'll tell you. And it even it wasn't really even from a place of pride. It was just like this is what we did. Reaching people. <laughs> And ministering and delivering the gospel to my neighbor and to everyone, that's literally detestable to them. It's unreachable to them. It's unattainable. But when I come near them, and I am, and and don't mistake this for being a chameleon, but I'm able to love them in their context and in their realm, and I'm able to be faithful to my God, but also appeal to them in relationship, and there's not conflict. It's not, hey, if you don't want to die and go to hell, you come over here and live like this. You hear me? You hear me? No, it's God came to you, and he loves you, and he really doesn't care about those things. He cares if there's anything in your heart that you worship more than him. And if you put him in the center of your life, in the center of your heart, I promise change will happen. Things will flow. You will live innately by faith because it happens from the inside out. The other way, where the outside is imposed on, then you could be living a complete lie and nobody would know it. And it produces hypocrisy. I've seen it firsthand. I've lived it. And it produces, watch this. Here, maybe this is the biggest problem with legalism. It produces natural barriers to good relationships. Natural barriers to what you would have been able to reach them, and now you can't. And that's the heart of what Paul is talking about. He's talking about being in relationship with others who are different than you. Is everybody kind of with me? Okay, all right, let's keep moving. I could park there for a while, but I'm not going to. I've been there long enough. (laughs) Time to put it in drive. Verse number 20, do not tear down God's work because of food. God's work 
God's work is people, not stuff. (laughs) I'm going to say that again. God's work is people, not stuff. Theirs was keeping the Torah, keeping the Sabbath. What's yours? What's ours? What's modern-day church's list of things? If those things are in the place of people and we conform people to those things, then we have it backwards. Better to not do something also. And, and here's, what I'm, here's what I'm not doing. I'm not saying, I got freedom in Jesus, let's go. And I'm going to put my beer right here on my pulpit. And I'm going to preach my sermon here and have some natty. And you know what I'm saying? It's all good. We're free in Jesus. That's what I'm not doing. Notice he says, err on the side of what? Caution. If he doesn't say, go about doing whatever you want to do and just look and see who it offends and then change accordingly. He says, go about living in such a way that you know what offends people. Don't do those things. But we do the opposite. When we're the strong people, when we're the ones flexing our Christian freedom, posting it on Soch, <laughs> free in Jesus, do whatever I want. You're not right either. This isn't an excuse for sin, right? Calm down, we're going to get there in a minute. <laughs> Better to not do something than to do it and potentially cause a problem. That's just called being prudent and wise, right? This is living by faith. The opposite would be living to only fulfill your wants and needs. Don't miss this. The question could be, am I living by faith? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Come on now. Am I living by faith? Turn to your neighbor and say, am I living by faith? Ask him. None of y'all asked. I saw it. Come on now. Ask your neighbor. Am I living by faith? Here's what the answer could be. And the answer could be found in how many things you haven't done that you wanted to do but decided to refrain for someone else. Come on now. Don't miss this. Am I living by faith? Once upon a time, me living by faith was me keeping a list of rules. You understand this? Living by faith is just as much what you don't do as what you do. Mm -mm -mm. You know I can't dance. White boy, right here. I cannot dance. I wish I could, but I can't. Let me help you all with something. Faith is just as much about what you don't do. Hey, listen, how's your faith? Well, I go to church, I tithe, I give to the Lord, (laughs) volunteer. I get voluntold and I smile about it. (laughs) When 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 someone asks or talks to you about your faith, generally speaking, how do we define that? We define that in terms of what we do. Here's what Paul is saying. I want you to flip the script and define how faithful you are by what you didn't do this week. What should you not do this week that would be actually more like living by faith? We can fill in the blanks of what to do, but maybe we need two columns. Maybe loving people is just as much about what we don't do as what we do. Mm, That's a word, I'm telling you. This one wrecked me this week. If your religion comes before your relationships, then you're losing. What we want here is winning. We want too much winning, right? Who wants to win in relationships? Anybody? Three of you. Okay, I'm talking to you three that want to win. 
If your religion comes before your relationship, then you're losing. Jesus loves and died for people that are different than you. I'm going to say it again. Jesus loves and died for people different than you. I, I want to point something out here before we jump into another passage of Scripture. Look at verse 17 in our text. Chapter 14, verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in who? In the Holy Spirit. It's not eating and drinking. It's not the differences. It's not the physical. It's the what? Spiritual. Listen to this passage. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 through 26. It says this. This is a famous passage. Many will know it. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I'm warning you about these things, as I warned you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the what? In the text, he's saying the kingdom of God is not these things. In Galatians, he says, if you're doing these things, you're not in the kingdom of God. I'm not making an excuse for anybody to sin. A pastor standing up and saying, don't love the world, neither the things that are in the world. Run from the world. Like, the goal is not, I want to show you a list of things that were not like these. The goal is to be in the world, ministering, witnessing for Christ through the Holy Spirit, while not damaging our faith, while not damaging uh, the goods of the Holy Ghost, if you will. We're we're not saying that because you do X, Y, and Z, uh, you're right or wrong. If you're doing these things, Paul is like, we're not even in the same conversation. If you're sinning like that, here, stop. Like, you, there's no way for you to get to a place of a good relationship while you're doing those things. Those are non-negotiables as well. So, but what I see here is the fruits of the Spirit are what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things, whereas it is against the others. Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires, And if we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. Okay, let's put all this together. Simply put, put your relationships before these things. How many want to win in your relationships? All three. Oh, we we gained a few more. There's a few more than three. If we take all of this into consideration, what we've talked about, I boiled it down to three three things, right? If you want to win, then you've got to put your relationships before these three things. Number one, you ready? Put your relationships before your sin. Put your relationships before your what? Put your relationships before your what? Uh Uh-huh. Paul is saying, if you want to engage in a relationship with the Holy Ghost of God, then that's going to happen on the kingdom of God level with righteousness and peace and unity. In Galatians, he says, you know how that's not going to happen? By doing whatever you want to do. I think this goes without saying, but I'm going to say it because Paul said it. The first step is this. 
If you have unconfessed sin that you're engaging in regularly, your relationships are going to suffer. They're, bottom line, it's the work of the flesh. And if you pursue, once again, here's how people deal with it. List, give them a list. Tell them everything that they need to do and stay away from it. This has got to happen from the inside out. That impulse, that desire that you have, you know before you actually do the sin, lust, temptation, it begins to what? Draw you away. Lust, sin, when it's finished, brings forth what? Death. And that's a death of all of your relationships. The point is, is when you have that desire, when you have that conflict within, the Holy Ghost can easily defeat this. He can easily give you power over that. He is greater is he that is in you than he that is what? In the world. Why are we scared? Because it's become about the outside. What if they see me? So therefore, we sin privately. And the phones have never made it easier. You see, like my phone, I just pulled that out right there in the phones. <laughs> it's never been, look, we have young people, maybe this is just a good, a good time to like make this little public servants, public servants, public service announcement. There it is, sorry. Hopefully I don't get brain fog like I did last week in the message. If you're a young person, you probably can't handle a cell phone. Do y'all, has anybody checked and seen what's like on Google and stuff? You know what's on social media? And here's what's funny, parents. Most of the teens in the room, watch this. Guess what they did? I literally just said it. That's all I did. I literally just said phones and social media. And here's what 90% of the teenagers in this room just did. Ready? <laughs> Pastor, move on. Shut up. Move on. <laughs> I just got on the plan last week. Shut your mouth. Shoot. <laughs> I'm telling you. And here's why we do it, because it's convenient. They'll shut up and they'll go to their room. What are you fostering? Are you fostering behavioral... Rela- here's why I think this, Matt, and this is just a complete tangent. It's not written. Forgive me. Sorry, not Sorry. <laughs> You go to a restaurant, and here's what you see. Two people sitting right across the table from each other, and I'm pretty sure you know how they're communicating? They're probably texting each other. (laughs) Well, I can't say what I wanted to say out loud, weirdos. (laughs) Sitting there texting back and forth. This has ruined the way we do relationships. It's ruined it. All the boomers are like, get them, pastor. (laughs) Still got my flip phone, yeah. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Oh, goodness. My back is so sore. I've been working on my steps at the house. I'm like, oh. That's why I miss jits on the last end of the week, man. Sarah's been putting me at work, Dan. I've been missing work on the mats. Here's here's the thing, though. I'm, I'm not... Look, I'm being serious. Like, we are terrible at having relationships these days. And I'm not even talking about the nitty-gritty. I'm talking about, like, we don't know how to have a conversation anymore. Like, hi, how are you? God bless you. Have you had a great day? How was your week? Y'all are like, wow, pastor had a lot of cup of coffee. A lot of cups of coffee. I really did. A lot of cup of coffee. Can't even talk. (laughs) 
No, I just like people, and I like relationships, and I like talking, except my wife. I don't talk to her ever. No, I'm kidding. Everybody's like, it's a joke. I'm just kidding. Calm down. Like, it was a bad one. It was weird. <laughs> Look, we, <laughs> we have to fight this thing. You say, well, it's too far gone. I was watching a podcast with Mark Zuckerberger, and he's on Joe Rogan this week. And he was talking about the future. <laughs> Y'all are like lizard people. <laughs> uh, he was just talking about, like, you know, uh, augmented reality and how what we're trying to do is create this sense of presence. It's a, it's a sense of presence that we're trying to create in technology. And we can literally be there. And I'm like, look, let me show y'all. You ready? I can save thousands of dollars, thousands, and have a really good sense of presence right now. Check this out. Hey, baby mama, we're shaking. I got a real good sense of her presence right now. You know why? Does anybody know? Because I'm sitting next to her. We spend thousands of dollars in creating experiences in, in, in our phones and our technology to communicate and connect with people all across the world, and we can't connect to the person right next to us. I don't know why I went on such a long tangent about this, but I have a feeling it's resonating with maybe one, two, okay, all of us. How do we conquer the most difficult things about relationships, but it really doesn't mean anything because we're not actually engaging in relationships, because we're letting the culture dictate how we do relationships, and it's a fake mirage of what it used to be. Number one, how do you win in relationships? Put your relationships before your sin. Simply put, stop doing the bad things that are causing guilt, that are causing unforgiveness, that are clouding uh, the distance between you and whoever you're trying to have a relationship with. D do you understand what I'm saying? What's the fastest way to ruin a marriage? Sin. Stop. Put your relationship before your sin. Number two, put your relationships before your systems. I have to, this way, the church has got to look, all, everything's got to be in order. God bless you, but no, it doesn't. Everything does not have to be in exact order. And chances are, by the time you hit 40, you're going to be surrounded by people who are just like you because you can't handle other people that are different than you. Put your relationships before your systems. It's okay. You can have your systems. No one's going to tell you to put your keys here instead of there. It's going to be all right. Right? No one's going to take your parking spot at church. Nobody. Except me, maybe. I'm out there looking. Who parks in the same spot every week? I'm going for it next week. But it's like, oh my goodness. Think Here, here stay with me. We might have to take communion next week. Nobody's right with the Lord right now. This is a mess. <laughs> Y'all think I'm playing. We're going we're gonna to do communion next week, I think. I'm running late on time anyway. If, if you, like, digest this, I just, I don't know why that I can't get along with that person. Oh, yeah? You don't know? <laughs> I can give you about 10 reasons. <laughs> no one's being honest with you. Why? Because, no, everybody's scared to be honest with you. Because they know that you'll sever the relationship. 
Why? Because your systems and your structures are more important than the people that are around you. We are a society that craves everything to be in order more than we crave other people to do it with. How backwards are we? I just can't even imagine. Husbands and wives, I just don't, I don't love her like the way I used to. Oh, yeah? What happened? I don't know. It ain't me. It's for sure not me. Oh, well, all right then. Glad we got that out of the way. Glad we know it's not you and that you're not the problem at all. But at some point, we have to be honest and we have to see. Paul's like, hey, guys, let me just insert some truth here. It ain't about what you're eating and drinking. It's about the person on the other end of that belief. Can you, for one second, just look at a Jew over there and know that the Lord loves them? And can you just not eat that around them? Can you be the stronger person for a minute? But, but them and them and me. It's going to be okay. Somebody has to be the strong and somebody has to be the weak. And if you're the strong brother that has freedom to do whatever he wants to do, then maybe you should have some freedom to choose what not to do in these moments. And so, so church, think about this. Is your relationship struggling because of a system? And, and I think organization is good and it's healthy and it's great and structures are phenomenal and great. They help schedules and, and all kinds of things work and, and figure out in life. But if that's the point and that's the pain point that you're constantly dividing over, it might have risen to a place of prominence above the actual person. Sin, systems, and number two, your satisfaction. How do I win in my relationships? Put your relationship above your satisfaction. This is the end result, right, of living by faith. Paul is saying, in a society, let's, let's get on another hobby horse, right? Aside from the cell phones, if we're hungry, what do we do? We eat. And we have how many options, like, from right here? Like, we could go eat anywhere. Where'd you go this morning? What'd you say? Alice's. Kyle had, like, this really tasty-looking orange juice when he was walking down the hallway this morning after the early service. I'm like, man, that looks good. He's like, I went to Alice's. Look, there's so many places. And I'm not picking on Kyle, but in our society... If you, want, if you want a McDouble right now, I love me some McDoubles. <laughs> we could go get one. If you want some burger cookies, Chief, let's go up to the Royal Farm Store and let's get some burger cookies. We, we are constantly geared towards satisfying ourselves. I don't like my job. I need to find another one that what? Satisfies the itch of maybe more money or a better commute. Or, and I'm not beating it up. Do you understand? We, we have to use our level of humanity and what satisfies us to gauge our living standards, to gauge our relationships in the beginning. But my point is, is something happens along the way that our satisfaction, watch this, becomes elevated above our relationships. And guess what? They start failing. In a eat it now, have it your way society, we need to learn that sometimes the best meals come from being hungry. The best meals are the ones that you say, hey, I'm not going to eat. I, I, I want to have lunch now, but watch this. We've been doing this intermittent fasting thing a while, and it's like, man, 
I'm hungry, but I'm gonna delay, and I'm gonna delay. There's just something about it. You eat that meal when you're breaking the fast, and it's like, this is so good. But the things that were actually just as good weren't that good because you have them all the time. We don't know how to endure anything difficult anymore. I'm speaking generally. We in our society of instant gratifications wonder why we struggle in our relationships when our satisfaction is far above the priority of our relationships. How do we win? How do we win? And so far, we haven't won anybody over to this perspective, and you guys are like, I'm going back to my crappy relationships. At least I'm happy. You know what I'm saying? At least I got my sin. At least I got instant gratification. Look, church, our example of Jesus Christ, having everything, becoming a servant, giving it all to gain a relationship with us, we, we don't have to look any further than just the simple gospel message that the Holy Spirit is what breeds joy and peace and righteousness. And you can't do those things when you're fulfilling yourself. It happens, watch this, in community. Some of you are so close to living a happier life. You're so close to having a more fulfilled purpose. You just got to tweak it a little bit. You need to put more emphasis on each other than yourself. Wouldn't that fix a lot of things in our marriages, with our children? Look, we have things to consider this morning. You understand what I'm saying? Are we tracking? Let's end with this. Simply put your relationships before your sin, your systems, and your satisfaction. The Holy Spirit wants to lead you into the kingdom of God right now. That's verse 4 of chapter 15. Winning relationships are kingdom relationships. Husbands loving your wives in every season. Friends speaking the truth in love when you know that tension will occur and then not allowing that tension to dictate the future of the relationship. We all have an obligation to this type of kingdom living and we have the perfect companion in the Holy Spirit to help us execute it. Thank you for watching and joining us for our church online. I pray this experience was just what you needed today. If you made a decision for the Lord to follow Christ, or if the Lord did something in your heart that was special today, we would love to hear about it. Post it in the comments, send us a message, and we'll reach out to you. Have a wonderful week, and God bless.